0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about 6 pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers the 308, the 270, the 28 Nozzler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30 6, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit savagearms.com. Welcome
1: to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one
2: resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Well, here we are. Back with another podcast. For sure. Right here in the middle of November, of
1: course, uh, you know our uh, people on Instagram. I would encourage them to go look at uh, the stories, <laughs> uh, the save stories. Yes, because uh, it's, it's the time new. of year where it seems like every day I get a picture, an email yep. of a of a client sending over a successful story. There's a whole slew of of uh, client success stories from yep. across the country um just in 2020 too yeah no, um, that, that's
2: fresh this year and i'm going to try to add a
1: a uh an album on the facebook page that's 2020 yeah. successful uh successful hunts and so we can share those over there as well but it's you know you go from a, a happy youth hunter mm-hmm. um which to is a, just
2: as important as a 200 and some inch deer.
1: 200 i think the biggest is 233 yep um and so you got a wide spectrum there, but there's a lot of really, really nice bucks from clients. Um,
2: a lot of states represented in there as well. Too. And so you're going to cool. see
1: us transition into uh, having some people on a podcast, some clients like we did last fall to talk about habitat, most importantly, but yep. also the success that they had in correlation with that habitat management. So we have returning guest, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's his third time on the podcast uh, mr ryan kirby
2: ryan you there yep what's up fellas How are not we? much man how's life uh life is good life good. is good these days
3: so, i know it's
1: as uh, high as the emotions wore down
3: oh yeah oh yeah um you know we've got uh we got a lot going on here at the house these days and a four-year-old and one-year-old so um you, you have to uh, put that high behind you and get back to life pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? Life so, continues uh, on. <laughs> yeah, I changed a couple diapers today, and it's like, well, I was uh, not doing this a week ago in Illinois. and Now I'm right back at it. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> well, I
2: think I think real quick for those who don't know, before we jump to the to the big full story, the complex, what what happened in Illinois just a little little bit ago.
3: Uh, well, we, we had a really good trip. Um, we, we've talked about it a little bit recently, but, um, my, my wife was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, um, a couple of months ago yep. and, uh, that way, you know, at 35 with a four year old and one year old, that was a pretty, uh, big shock for us. Um, last year we were, we were, uh, our, our little girl came early, So, uh, I was actually in the NICU with my wife last November. And Mm -hmm. then this November brought its own set of challenges. And, uh, I really didn't know if I'd be able to make it back up to Illinois or not, but my parents stepped in, my mom came down here and handled the kids and dad and I went home to deer hunt. I had a couple buddies from North Carolina come in later too. And, uh, man, we had a really epic trip. It was kind of a, a guy's weekend or a guy's week. Um, I brought my whole office up there and worked and, um, was forced enough to bag a, a once in a lifetime deer on my parents' place, and then we had some really good success um, on the farms that that uh, I bought up there as well. That you guys helped me on, so it's a pretty pretty remarkable buck. I'm looking at him right now.
2: So, how big? When you say remarkable, is... how big?
3: <laughs> well, uh, he's he's two o two and 5'8". Um, big massive deer, just an awesome deer, and it's it's pretty. It's pretty crazy, man. I mean, you you talk to your buddies, and you talk about 150s and 160s and 170s. Like, that's the caliber gear that we're talking about. It never has a 2 in it. <laughs> you know, it never has a <laughs> – you don't talk about a 200. Um, and we actually uh, – we had pictures of him last year. Uh, he was probably – I've got a shed from his right side that measures 78, so he was probably hovering around 170 or so. Uh, Last year, he moved in during November, and we had pictures of him all March. He held his antlers till mid-March, but didn't have any pictures of him this year. And he probably put on, well, I know he put on about 30 inches from last year. So he really blew up. Um, I'm guessing he put on about 12 inches of mass alone at least, actually 16 um, from last year. So you look at, the, the deer almost doesn't even look the same. Um, on a trail cam photo, but we didn't have any pictures of him. So I didn't even know he was in, he was around. Do you have any estimate on age? You know, um, I am actually gonna, I've got his jawbone out there and I haven't looked through his teeth. I was going to get him sent off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say he's five, he's five and a half this year. Gotcha. Um, he was not a big deer. He was 175 pounds dressed. So not a big deer for as big as his rack was. Um, I just, and, and seeing the jump that he made this year and what he was last year, you know, if he's jumped like that year to year, he can't be more than five and a half. Um, but y- you know, we'll see. Well, I'm going to get the, the, um, jawbone sent off for sure. Cool. Yeah.
1: yeah that, that'll
2: be nice to we'll kind see. of figure.
3: I'm it and always get back on.
1: The reason I asked that age <clears throat> is it seems like talking to a lot of different people and seeing a deer go from. You know, three and a half to four and a half, four and a half to five and a half. It's like when they take that monster jump is like surprisingly enough early on. Uh, when you really get into aging deer, you think the biggest jump may happen from three to four, but it's starting to feel where I think it's a toss-up. Where that jump from four to five, four to
2: five is like yeah, I've seen really really impressive. Just 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 as many go big from three to four as four to five, like that, yeah. big that donuts that we hunted
1: last year he wasn't i mean he was a great deer at uh four and a half but from four and a half to five and a half it was just unrecognizable and that's what stirred that on is put you talking about pictures from last year to this year and how how much he jumped
3: yeah and we've got we compared so a a buddy of mine actually was uh he was planting beans our neighbor uh last spring And kind of a funny story, he ran over the shed. Oh, wow. And all, you know, all of us, the the area is a mixture of 40s and 60s and 120s. And there's one, a couple of big properties that are over 300, but the the overall section is made up of some mid to small size areas. So we all, we've all got pictures of the same deer. Mm -hmm. And um, he ran over the shed with his tractor and didn't realize what it was because it broke off a couple of points. Oh. Um, when he ran it over yeah. and he got back to the truck and started looking at it. He's like, I think that's that deer. So he went out in, uh, in the cornfield, uh, <laughs> that he was, he was no tilling over and started looking through the corn stalks and stubble and everything, trying to find the pieces that broke off. Right. And he actually found two of them. Oh, wow. So <laughs> he brought the shed over in three pieces the other day and I glued them together <laughs> and he's got some really recognizable points so there's no doubt that we have the shed from that deer last year there's just no question and if you look at the mass if i just showed you the mass compared to what he was this year you say there's no way that's one year you know right, I mean, they right. obviously they jump in time length and beam length and all that but but i've never seen a deer jump in mass the way that he has Mm. Um, I mean, there, so there's he, no like doubt said, his mass his mass measurement from eight went from eighteen and two eighths last year to twenty six and an eighth this year. So he just he got real heavy in one year.
2: <sighs> and that's the first so, thing you say when you see that the picture of you holding that deer. It's like, oh my gosh, the mass oh on man. those main beams and tines is unreal.
3: Yeah, and his highest mass measurement was the fourth one, and it was seven inches. So that's <laughs> He's got mass all the way to the end. It's, you, you, it's pretty cool. It's pretty remarkable, dear.
2: And, and that's so rare to have the the biggest mass measurement at the the fourth one. And yep. seven inches usually at the base is like wow. The base is on that yeah. thing is huge. That was the main beams, the fourth measurement.
3: What yep. was what was oh.
2: beams? Uh,
3: his beams, the uh, the right side was twenty three. And if I remember right, the other side, I'm looking at it now. I don't have a score sheet. Right side was 23, and I think the other left side was 24.
4: Mm.
3: So his beams weren't that long. Um, yeah. His spread was 18 and three-eighths, you know, so not yep. incredibly wide. He just had really good time length. His G2s were over 13. Um, mm. He had quite a bit of abnormal. So, sure. um, but just he just got – he's real massive. That was his biggest – unique feature oh man so. that's awesome
1: biggest year Big of your life
3: yep probably so I would far I think it's not but was, <laughs> so far so I meant good. by that <laughs> oh oh absolutely so far yeah
2: <laughs> and, and here's the other cool thing is I guess you know seeing that historical pattern though to develop and and come through in this year because I guess what's, what's the story there you got him he showed up last year in November hung around till March but then this year you didn't have pictures of him when
3: you hunted this stand correct Mm -hmm. no and um so my cousin we you know we're the the section that we hunt is getting better all the time every every year um there's not as many guys hunting it in there as there has been in the past and you know we're all on board with letting deer letting deer grow um my cousin had pictures of him early He's probably a mile away from where I shot him. And then our other neighbor had pictures of him the Thursday night before I killed him on a Tuesday. And he's probably three quarters of a mile away. And oh we have, you know, we have five cameras between where my cousin got pics and where I shot him. And he wasn't on a, on a single one of them, you know, and we've That's had cameras running since September. Um, I did find, I, I think my dad had one picture of him early, um, okay. you know, where he's just got big bases and there's a couple unique points that are coming in and uh-huh. he's just really starting to grow his beans. But other than that, went from him fully grown and and definitely not, um, after velvet. Sure. Uh, so we didn't have any pictures of him. You know, we, we assumed he was in the area. He made it through gun seasons and had his shed, his, his sheds. Um, they had found him. We had pictures of him in March, so we knew he was there. There was a couple other big deer in the area too but i was um i had bought a 40 on my own about a half an hour away and another 40 with a buddy of mine about a half an hour in a different direction and i'd actually been hunting those because right. we had south winds um i had you know i had more buddies coming in town and i just kind of wanted to keep everything fresh so i was bouncing around a little bit not not hunting anything too hard and um it was uh i've got a stand called trump tower and I always hunted the day after the election day. And so even though, you know, the results hadn't even come in yet, I was like, I'm going to go hunt Trump Tower. It's um the patriotic it's a thing to hunt. do. What's that? Because it, it's the patriotic thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I can tell you the story behind that stand if you want. but um, We can a, probably uh... fill in the blank. <laughs> <laughs> well... It's it's the tallest stand I've got. It sits on prime real estate. It has a pool, which is water hole. It's got a buffet. It's probably the best. I mean <laughs> there's no, no stand ever
1: come close. Tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> it even
3: has a wall. It's got a wall of brush and then a gap right where the stand is. So I called it Trump Tower and it was it was uh built by cheap labor, which is me. So uh, What else would you, you call it Trump? Them? Tower.
1: <laughs> and Did your neighbor I pay for the be, wall?
3: No, no, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it hunts well in the south. Um, it's got a, a big block of timber to the south of it. And then the field is kind of a big teardrop shape. And the, the stand sits at the bottom of the teardrop. And along the, the left and right of the teardrop are some ditches that go out into some bigger ag fields. And on a south wind, a lot of times the does will bed at the end of those ditches, mm-hmm. and you'll have bucks cruising. Um, you know, you'll see a one and a halfer dive into one ditch, run up it, run across the field, and pop in the other one, just cruising all the time. And um, w- with the water hole there, I, I I don't really hunt water much. It's kind of foreign to me. Um, but it was 71 degrees. It was hot, and I thought maybe you know, the, a buck would be cruising and just hit that spot for water as he's cruising some of those bedding areas. Or I even thought maybe there's one locked up with a doe already and she's going to get up from her bed. She's been run ragged and she's going to come in for a drink and he's going to come with her. Sure. So, and it's always a good spot anyway. I, I tend to hunt terrain features more than anything during yeah. the rut, yeah. um, funnels and pinch points just like everybody else. And, and this is a really good terrain feature. That little bench has been there for a long time. Um, so got in the stand. uh, I actually had a, a guy come and spread fertilizer on the field after I got in. So I watched a massive John Deere fertilizer spreader work the field, you know, and waved to the guy from the deer stand. Yeah, He funny. went on, um, some does were, were out across the field on the other side of the bean field at like 250 yards or so, uh, some does and fawns, they'd come out early. Um, and with about a last, uh, an hour left of daylight, I just heard a long, deep grunt about hmm. 75 to a hundred yards South of me in the timber. Um, and it was just a long, and so, you know, I'm not really one to blind call a lot. Uh-huh. I, I feel like I spook a lot of deer. I just never had great luck with it, but I've always had luck when I know a deer's in the area or I can see it, you know, rattling and stuff like that. So I thought. I'm gonna rattle. I'm far enough away from these does. I'm not gonna spook them, but I'm just gonna rattle just a little bit. And from where that buck was, I knew that when he when it got dark, he had three choices of a field to go to. And he was down in a ravine. I was up on top, and I thought, man, if I can just make him think that the action is up here, he'll come this way before dark. I didn't necessarily expect him to come running. Sure. So I leaned around the tree to where the does wouldn't see the antlers from across the field and, and get a little spooky and just rattled maybe 20, 30 seconds, uh, grunted a little bit, didn't have any response. Um, pretty soon a little eight pointer came from behind me, read the skip script, went right under the tree and out. and He started harassing those does a little bit. And then um, from behind me, I saw a doe come in to drink out of the creek down below. She's probably 60, 70 yards away. I didn't see or hear anything for a while. Then I heard that same long grunt again. And it's kind of like a turkey goblin. He was a different spot in the woods, but he was the same distance away. Yeah. And I grunted to him a little bit, didn't get a response. Um, And then, you know, light's starting to fade. And there was still shooting light left, but I I tend to think at those points, like, where am I going to sit in the morning? I wonder what the wind's going to do, you know supposed the wind's supposed to change to the west on Wednesday. I'm gonna hunt you know, you just start <laughs> kind of chalking the day up a little bit early, even though it was prime time. And um, about that time I heard footsteps coming. Well actually I heard I heard that long grunt again and I snort wheezed at him. Oh. Giving him one last shot and it's like I'm gonna snort wheeze. Hail and Mary then I'm just not gonna not gonna mess with him again. I'm just gonna let it get dark, slip out of here and um so nothing happened immediately a few minutes later i hear footsteps and the woods had gone dead quiet at this point um hear footsteps and i look over and i see a a buck coming up over the ridge but uh that that spot there still has a lot of honeysuckle uh that bush honeysuckle that nasty stuff Mm -hmm. anybody that's hunted in and it's green leafy bushy this time of year and so What's that.
1: I said Illinois oh, State man. Tree. Might as well. It's like it's you guys awful. have adopted it as. Pretty much. That. That's the redheaded it stepchild. Awful,
3: man. And you just can't see very well through it. And so at one point, he stopped. And at 40 yards, I put binoculars on him. And I knew he had a big frame. I knew he had big beams. And I saw his right side and saw some trash. Um, And you just know in your gut, like, he's a shooter. He's big, but I don't know what he is. Yeah. So he's coming through. Um there's the honeysuckle ends and there's a shagbark hickory right there which is another really awesome tree. In Illinois, I know you guys love that one. And, uh, I love cutting them. By, by the way, what do you guys – So we haven't we haven't really done consulting as much on this place. I need to just get you on the books right now That's because right. as I'm as I'm talking, you guys are just like checking off species. <laughs> well, when
1: we toured it first, it was just like well, we're going to start on the other forty first, but yeah. on this one, yeah. you might as well just free time chip plan away. on cutting about 40% of the vegetation that's around here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, You got about 40% stuff that needs to go- get gone. Yeah. And then we'll worry about the other 60 later on, but that's about it. 30 of that's going to be thinned. Yeah. hmm So... Yeah, so he
3: he cleared that tree, and by then, man, I was I was just trying to uh, pick a spot, ignore his antlers, and make a shot. And he stepped out, and at that point, you know, he's walking. I'm like, man, do I do I bleed at him to stop? It's dead quiet. He's so close. He's a big deer. He's liable to just charge out of there if I grunt from above him. You know,
2: how how so close? So
3: I let him walk. He was ten yards. Yeah, he was right underneath me. Yeah. Man, um. So I, he stopped on his own i i smacked him and he he, he kind of bellowed when i shot him so hmm. he goes you know so wow, he was all right amped up. up yeah wow and uh charged back into the honeysuckle and i heard him crash at 30 40 yards uh but i you know i i got down and i you know smacked a knock and lit it up and laid it where the arrow was backed out walked out went around to the house and got dad and we came back in together um didn't find any blood, but I I was ninety nine percent sure I knew where he was laying.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, man, when we walked up on him, we just we couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, yeah. This section has good deer, but uh, I don't. There's never been a, a, a two hundred killed out of it. You know, mm-hmm. so.
4: Jeez. You you it said something wild,
1: ma- made me. I'm curious. So, where where did you hit him at? A
3: mm-hmm. double lung. It was it was perfect. So um, when you say
1: you didn't find much blood, is it? excitement and you just were off the trail or just didn't bleed that much i,
3: I really don't think he bled that much he he opened up and, and again we probably only walked 15 yards without finding blood and then we saw him you know? oh so, gotcha yeah uh, he, didn't spin he only ran he only ran 30 yards yeah. maybe 40 gotcha. before he piled up what broadhead um, did you shoot him with? there but what's that
1: what broadhead did you shoot him with
3: uh the wasp Jack nice. okay. that That's an expandable, yeah.
1: yeah, Yep. Nice. Yep. Jack Hammer or Jack Knife?
3: Pretty sure it's the Jack Nice. Okay. Two blade. Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the Jack Hammer was the three blade open up from the front that we shot years ago. Yeah, yeah. Ten yards. No,
3: it, I've, I've, uh, I've used their broadheads for years now. I've been happy with every one of them. So. I mean, yeah.
2: with that result... I would be too. <laughs> yeah, thirty man. And forty I, yards and crashing a heavier awesome.
3: arrow too. Um, a couple years ago, and I feel like that's really made a difference too. Mm-hmm. I, I've rarely had to track a deer very far at all. So wow. but it is pretty remarkable, man. And then of course, you know, you you uh, you you shoot him, and word spreads, and all of a sudden, trail cam pictures start coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> you know, no nobody knew what he was until he gets killed, and then everybody had him on camera all summer. Wow. So uh we definitely didn't have any pictures of them though so it was a it was a pretty cool surprise and pretty special to be able to walk up on them with my dad too
2: oh man yeah and, and it being a family farm too i mean it's also, oh, yeah. you know we'll talk about the farm that you own the farms you own what you guys have done and seen there but like this is something that you guys have hunted for a long time and i'm sure you've had tons yep. of memories right in and around that area
3: Yep. Yeah, and you want to talk about a habitat perspective like, I mean, I remember it when the woods were wide open and this ridge was covered with multiflora roses, you mm. know, back in the day. Now that's completely gone and the bush honeysuckle's taken over. So, so bush honeysuckle swapped.
1: is more aggressive than multiflora rose. That ought to say something it's
3: amazing. You know.
2: Interesting.
3: Yep. Interesting. yep. And mm-hmm. I think that
2: overlap too, of leaf out and then leaves coming on to it just shade it out. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty that You have yeah, multi-floor so <laughs> <yeah. laughs> You can go with
1: a shiny circle. Yeah. <laughs> they all
2: stink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. That's Suck. that's incredible. 202-ish, and what a fantastic yeah, by, story.
3: 202 and 5.8. We <sighs> scored them twice and, and got around there both times. Wow. So big enough. It's Heck a big of a story.
1: Deer, and yeah. that's just starting the week.
3: Oh, man. Yeah. So then my buddies came into town and, um, you know, I wanted to, to shoot another doe for the freezer, but they um, they were hunting the property that I bought and then my buddy Shay and I bought together. Mm-hmm. And um, the 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 target buck on the 40 that I own uh, was like... He ended up going 156. He was uh, an eight-pointer with a kicker off his G2. But mm, big that's, frame deer. He we we yeah. both thought... We all thought he was five. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, so you guys... Uh, for, for anybody listening doesn't know, um, Adam and Matt came out and did a, uh, a full management plan consultation, the works, on this 40-acre piece. And the the one thing I always tell everybody, I thought you guys were crazy when you told me to cut all the scrape limbs around the food plot. Because there was an <laughs> existing opening, and I thought I struck gold because there were like eight scrapes all around this food plot. And you guys told me to just cut every one. That's, that's the reason you the bought the farm, right? <laughs> All yeah. these scrape <laughs> <limbs>. <laughs> there's scrapes but everywhere man, cut them <laughs> it's, it's got like three licking branches it's become just a hub i mean it's the scrape is the size of a bathtub every single year wow and it, it's like you can literally do an inventory on the piece in october because every buck that is on that property is in that scrape at some point right and so we've got a cutting link set up there and i mean we had pictures of this deer i don't know every two or three days he was at that scrape. It seems like, um, wow. but yeah, he was there and, uh, Joseph ended up shooting him, uh, on the 6th of November, I believe it was from one of the bedding thickets that we cut, um, just 75 yards South of that scrape. So he, he was all over the place. He was comfortable there. He was, I'm not going to say a resident cause it's only 40 acres, but he was, sure. he was living there for sure. Um, And yeah, he, uh, one, one of the the story behind that deer is we, we, you know, one of the things you guys taught me is to make those bedding thickets huntable, you know, make them in a spot where you've got access, you can get a stand in and it literally worked to a T. Um, we hunt that on South, Southeast access is great. He's in the stand. That buck came out of the Creek looped between the stand and the bedding area so he could smell that whole bedding area and so, then so the downwind side walking up yep. he was on the downwind side but upwind of the stand and he was yep. walking up into the bedding area and he smacked him uh, 20 yards quartering away um and the deer probably went 60 yards and piled up oh so i, I... I love
2: this piece. Like we talked so much about this, you know, on other podcasts. I think we broke it. We broke this farm down, I believe, on another podcast.
1: We covered yeah. this whole, you know, the first year you bought it. Mm-hmm. We were there, and we mm-hmm. covered that in a podcast. Mm-hmm.
2: And you know, for for you and the in the time that you guys have had to hunt it, or had other people hunt it, and the in the progress and the things that you guys have seen, um, and, and witnessed with deer and deer behavior and the usage. It's been awesome, and, and I, if you don't mind talking a little bit about what what he was seeing and how he was describing deer behavior in and around these cuts, because that is the the other big portion of why we do them, um, mm-hmm. and, and that, like, it's, it's fantastic, because you also sent pictures of kind of before and after of... Um, the cuts and what they look like now um, or I guess not before and after, but like places that weren't cut and then what is cut now. And, and and it's, it's incredible. It's like, well, yeah, they're going to be there. I mean, the response has been fantastic.
3: Oh man, it's been crazy. So the, the 40, it's got a couple of Oak ridges that roll off into a bottom. And I'd say 70% of the property is just uh just kind of a Midwest river bottom. It's got a lot of silver maples, a lot of cottonwoods, um, hackberry. It's got quite a few walnuts. And, you know, when, when all that vegetation dies off after the first frost, it's a 40 that you can stand on one property line and see all the way through the timber to the other. And it, it hasn't flooded since I've been there, but you can just kind of tell that historically the area flooded a lot. There's just not a lot of underbrush, not a lot of vegetation. And, um, the one I mean, the first thing we did when you guys got here is is fire up a chainsaw. And um, we, we started the first year by just getting a few trees down and getting sunlight in there. And then successively, we've just dropped a few more trees and expanded them a little bit. But I uh the, the pics I sent you guys the day before those guys got here. I moved a cutting link down there underneath that tree uh, underneath the stand to see what was moving on the south side of the creek. And when I got up in the stand, you look to the right where it was basically, we haven't touched it yet. And then you look to the left where the bedding thicket is. And it's, it's amazing. You know, you look to the right and I can see the base of every tree trunk. I can see forest floor leaves. I can see logs. I can see everything. You look to the left where the thicket is and you can't see a single tree, single uh, base of any tree. You can't see any forest floor. It's grown up and a a ton of just awesome stuff yeah and it's taken time you know it's taken i think this is the third year i've had the property but it's taken time for that sunlight to get in there and grow that stuff up but i didn't realize how remarkable it was until we started tracking his deer because that deer shot forward right in through that bending thicket Mm -hmm. and it was pretty easy to follow because there are certain trails through that thing and you get in there and it's like man everything is chest high you know there's you're you're following the trail on this buck and you look to the left and there's a bed and take five more steps and then look to the right and there's a bed um when those guys hunted it so um that they probably hunted it four mornings total um they saw double digit deer every single time they sat um and what they were saying was, like, the deer are just up milling around, like, all morning long. Right. You know, the bucks are cruising through, but they're just up milling around. it's like, you may look at it and not see anything, and then you see an ear flick and see one bedded here. And then you see a tail wiggle, and you look over here, and there's one milling around in the thicket. And it, it really has just transformed the property into just a, a place where deer pass through. Yeah. And it, if you zoom out on a map, it's it's a hub of a lot of timber and a lot of good stuff, but it, it holds deer in a way that there's it, there's no way it was before. Um I in fact, that's... when we were when we were touring it with you guys, there, there were a couple fallen trees and we kicked deer out of the those trees every single time because that was the only place they had to bed was a treetop that had fallen in the woods. And I kick deer out of the same two treetops all the time. And now we've got, you know, probably ten or twelve acres that they can bet in versus one or two treetops.
2: And that's the the value or I guess the impact. You you basically transitioned, huh, get it converted or transitioned a transition farm only into a now like fully functioning hunting property that's holding deer year round, offering food, offering cover. And it's forty mm-hmm. acres, and, and mm-hmm. it, you don't have to own hundreds of acres. Now, neighborhood is important, but you can still take a transitional property and make it to where it. I mean, it would hunt good in the rut anyhow, right? Oh but, yeah. But yeah. you, they're sitting there in a tree stand, watching does bed down in front of them. That's like, they those are that's live decoys during mm-hmm. the rut bedded down in front of you. What more do you want? I mean, it's only, it's just a matter of time at that point.
3: And we've also seen the the first couple years, I I got a lot of good deer on camera, but a lot of, you could just tell they were passing through. They, Mm -hmm. They were regulars in the area, but we're really starting to get deer that have made this area their core. And, you know, like this buck, three years ago, I might've gotten him every other week and now we were getting them every other day. It seemed like, you know, he was there all the time. Um, and I, I, just can't tell you how, I mean, you know, you guys have seen this before with other clients, but I can't tell you how rewarding it is to have a property and to see a transformation like that. You know, I tell, I tell people it's like playing with your own kids versus playing with somebody else's, you know, like, yeah, it's more work and more money, but it, it just, it's rewarding to, um, just to to own it to own a piece of dirt yeah. and make it what you want
2: yeah, yeah. and 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 then so. it like it grow and mature into something, and you're able to like you know create the memories, but then like take something away from that hard work, like the hard work still yields something uh, that's yeah, tangible, for sure. and that's that's so cool. I wanted to read part of the text
1: that your buddy had sent in the process uh of uh, uh, that Joseph, the guy who shot the deer. um yeah i'll just quote it but there's a there's a couple words in here i really liked he came from the creek he was going to bed down before i shot every deer i have seen has been so calm i've seen 15 or so and nothing is passing through um i have watched every single one bed down out in front of me yeah and it's like what he says is calm um that is just like been so calm that right there is just like that's what happens when you get to hunt quality cover Mm -hmm. where deer feel comfortable you know i don't know what time he shot what time did he shoot this deer uh it was
3: fairly early in the morning it might have been a half hour after sunrise so and so
1: during daylight you're seeing these deer this many deer move through and feel comfortable and it's just like uh, how many times during the rut, you, you know, you think of the rut, and it could very well happen on your own place. But um mm-hmm. when you think of the rut, you think of oh man, I hope a big one comes by chasing doe, and I'm going bat, 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 trying to get him to stop. <laughs> yeah. But you're sitting here, or your buddy's sitting here, and he's seeing just deer maneuver through calm because they feel it's just like you've you've got to go into an intimate part of it of a of a deer's home range to where they feel as yep. comfortable as they'll ever feel. And that's what I
2: mean. That's what happens they, when you create quality cover. And it's and it's rare. I, I mean, for someone to go to this property and they haven't ever I, has has he hunted this place before? Should I should ask. They actually it? hunted it last year okay. when uh,
3: we were in the hospital in Brooklyn. Gotcha. So so they so, hunted.
2: They have a little bit of experience with it. But but for yeah. someone, one of the first things he said come out of his mouth was, "The deer are so calm. So like it's very um, easy to observe that." Uh, behavior as as calm and to remark you know in his own words to say that like there's a lot of people who haven't experienced like just deer just being like overly calm but that's what you get when you hunt that type of cover in in those situations when
1: you have quality
2: cover and you don't abuse it it, wind and access is paramount on
1: top of that absolutely Yeah.
3: yeah Yeah, and and this is a forty-two. I also want to add, it's a forty with access from only one side. Yeah, northwest side
1: too. Yeah,
3: yep. so yep. you know, it's well, one of those you where unfortunately we didn't have many west or northwest. But to even add to what you're saying, it's not like this has amazing access. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we got to kind of baby it. But yeah, you're right. It it definitely they definitely feel comfortable in it.
2: But when you baby it, you treat it right, and you've got what they need. They're there. And you can hunt them and kill them. Yep. Ugh, so it's it's 40 acres. How big is the food mm-hmm. plot? Acre and a
1: half? Just, acre? A, just
3: a little over. It's about an acre and a quarter.
1: Okay. And yep. so you've got that, and then the rest is timber. And yep. I don't know. My best guess would say five acres is ridgetop. Another two, three acres is side slope, and then the rest is bottom bottom ground, riparian area forest. And um, now there's probably, what is there, three main bedding cuts? Yep. And each one of those are three-quarters of an acre to an acre, hopefully somewhere in there, Uh, maybe maybe a little bit more. Uh, We kind of have, you know, you and I, we really expanded on them last year. And uh, I would say, you know, Let's just say five acres of quality cover. And mm-hmm. um then we've really edge feathered around oh, yeah. the food plot, yeah, which too. has yep. added a lot of really good cover. Um not so much the destination cover, and I think that's important mm-hmm. when we talk about the edge feathering. If we had just done that, the deer would likely be bedding just next to the food plot, which we didn't want. So we yep. really went in and focused first on the bedding thickets. And uh, you know, the deer we now did
3: we did the natives too from Pure Natives. That's right. Yep
1: yep, yep. yep. We planted the edge of it, uh, planted the weeds, as your dad says. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. coming from a farmer, we're going to do what? Yeah. Yep. Oh, and yeah. and uh, so, you know, there's just now there's starting to be quality cover all the way around. And so a deer can just be in a food plot, be in the edge feathering, be in the, in the forest. Um, in close proximity to a uh, bedding thicket. So overall, it's just everywhere you go, there's a good chance that there's going to be deer bedded there. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the goal with this time of the year is try to f- try to get really thick cover that the does are going to seek out and the bucks are going to be behind them shortly. And, uh, and that's what this 40 has turned into where, you know, how many... <laughs> How many times do people say oh, I'd love to own a big farm one day. I'd love mm-hmm, to own mm-hmm. several hundred acres. It was like, yeah, but if you got the right 40, you can sure do a lot of damage. Oh yeah, man. Well, and yep. I
2: think this is important too. <clears throat> you live in North Carolina. This yeah. is this is a 40 that you you selectively bought, right? Because of a lot of different features the neighborhood, it, it being uh you know, placed right, you know, it, it's not just this yeah. way out 40 like it is it is a great pickup but you knew that wasn't going to be enough, but you're doing practices to where, you know, they kind of, let's say, regulate themselves some, and mm-hmm. you live in North Carolina. It's not like you're there working this thing all the time. You've gone in, yeah. you've done a lot of the, the, the necessary things, and then I know your dad helps kind of plant the food plot and mm-hmm. for the fall, but really beyond that, it's kind of a little bit like of a, of a cruise control, um, you know, situation from a, from the management side of things. And you come in and you hunt it right, yep. and you hunt it smart, and you're killing them. And, yep. and and 15 deer in in those cuts. That's a lot of deer to be holding. That's a lot. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's a lot on on 40 acres just to have 15. But much less just sitting overlooking maybe one or two of those cuts. That's that's
3: impressive, man. Yeah, and I remember you guys talking about is it 80 grit. Yeah, eighty grit. Yeah, eighty grit. I mean, we typically with my schedule, um, it's pretty tight. I've you know got a lot of work and kids and stuff. You know, for the most part, we get about a week solid to work in March, and then a lot of times I'll come up in August maybe to plant, plant food plots and all that. But you want to talk about? I mean, we've essentially transformed a property with maybe. Eight days of a year of work. Wow! You know, yeah. I mean, it's not if 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 the whole thing depended on having an amazing food plot. There's a couple of years I'd be screwed, man. <laughs> like we just wouldn't have it. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, to be able to do that to, to do the eighty grit type work you're talking about, and it it make a ton of difference. Um, <laughs> it, it it helps a lot. It's not nearly as much work as I thought it would be.
2: Did you think when we when we first started? and you put on those bright orange chaps. <laughs> did you did you it, think that you were like going to with a chainsaw and some labor begin to to develop the property that much or make that big of a change? And were what was what your thoughts about cutting trees on a brand new farm?
3: I mean, I, I thought I was kind of awesome when I got my safety kit from Amazon. <laughs> And I, and I showed up with my John with like a 16 inch bar. And then, then you boys just said, Hey man, why don't you just go make lunch with your mama and let us handle this. That's <laughs> a good lunch, uh, man. Why didn't you go make the table? <laughs> why don't you hey, just stand back and take
2: a few pictures. Hold we'll that push pole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: I did buy the habitat hook. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you guys used it once or twice Don't hey, we, did. we did we did we did you <laughs> man you knew how to work that but, thing uh, though. you know I, well it's because no. that
1: saw <laughs> it only cut two-thirds of the way through the tree <laughs> 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 and he had to push it the yeah. rest of the way yeah you'd be like
3: kirby anything under three inch diameter you, you handle got it, okay? you got that man yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's, it's like if those you, you're if like, you're
1: whatever. ever on a on a crew And you're the man who gets to treat the stumps and everybody else is run saws. You, you realize real quick, you're at the bottom of the totem pole.
3: Uh. Well, I'd always heard from a buddy of mine, uh, that was a cameraman of the Turkey Federation. He'd be like, Hey, if you ever get to pick your guide when you're in camp, do not pick the guy that looked like he just rolled out of a Bass Pro catalog with brand new camo and brand new (laughs) gear. He's like, you pick the guy that's got faded, yeah. Camo with holes in it, and you're going to kill some stuff. Holes
2: and blood <laughs> stains.
3: Yeah, and I was definitely the guy that looked like uh, he shopped in a forestry catalog the week before we went out there. Yeah, uh, I
1: think of that. That phrase kind of goes with uh, elk hunt I was on a couple of years ago, where the one of the guides, uh, you know, there was we were in Colorado. There's there's bears, but they're they're black bears, and uh, all the other guides are just kind of we were like, okay, so we're going to see elk, bears, whatever, and then. The one guy rolls out, and he had a brand-new pistol strapped on his side. It's That's like, fun. oh, no, he's scared of the bears. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. But to
3: answer your question, um, you know, I had I, I obviously listened to you guys for a long time, and so I, I knew that we could do a lot. Um, I just didn't really realize it. I, w- the one thing I never thought about that you guys were teaching me is – you know, a lot of the flush cuts, low to the ground, um, the woody brows, the mm-hmm. amount of food that you can produce with a chainsaw versus a food plot is remarkable. Yeah. Um, sunlight, you know, I mean it's just and, and and again, it doesn't it doesn't happen necessarily the first year. You know, we, we dropped trees I think it was August, maybe the first time. Yeah. Obviously nothing's gonna grow then. But even the next fall, it wasn't revolutionized. But I feel like the third year, this is really coming to its own, and it's only going to get better from here. And, and I think so. I'll
2: make this point. I think a lot of that has to do with some of the the ground, you know, really yeah. wetland kind yeah. of areas versus upland sites that have different seed banks and everything. Um, that really plays into that response uh, a, a lot. But you're you're seeing now basically the the full circle of okay this is like the end goal of what what it is we're looking to create here Mm -hmm. and and you then you had then you were forced to walk through it and and track a deer and you're like whoa this is definitely it well when you told that story about you guys walking through
1: it that kind of spurred the thought and the the thing i wanted to point out at some point was the reason for diversity in cuts and the reason for not hinge cutting every tree in there, because if you Mm -hmm. hinge cut everything, you create kind of a a pickup stick scenario where a lot of the deer won't penetrate or move through it freely. But when we do the flush cuts and then we treat some trees and other trees aren't treated, and then we do hinge cut a few, what you get is you know, if if you use prescribed fire, the hinge cuts are going to not burn up because they're still living, and and mm-hmm. uh, so you still have structure for years and years. But then at the same time, the flush cuts are going to provide woody brows and a shrubby effect for several years. And most importantly, though. Um, you stimulate the regrowth of the natives. So there's a lot of herbaceous uh, plants there and native grasses or sedges and rushes in, 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 in particular on your lowland riparian area. But the the deer can move through it freely. And so if you draw, look at like a bullseye with different rings, they can bed down at any ring on the bullseye. But if you hinge cut everything, they're really out, out using the, the outside rings of a, of a bullseye yep. and, uh, you know, That diversity of cuts creates a diversity of plants, creates uh, a diversity of bucks that can use.
2: Increased
3: usable space within those cuts. Yeah. And you also think, too, like there was several times as we were walking through, and we only walked through 60, 70 yards of it. But, you know, you guys have done a flush cut and the whole trunk fell. You just have to envision that grown up three years later. The deer can walk through the grass and stuff and all the forbs, and step over that trunk, and yeah. you have a huge, bushy, you know, flush-cut woody brows to the right of it, where if that was just a hinge cut, it'd completely block them, or they'd have yeah. to jump over it. Uh, you know? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: The, they have to be able to navigate it, and, and they want to, right? Because yeah. if they're only baiting on the fringes, well, then the interior of all that work that you did is kind of pointless. And And yeah. the other thing that they always keep in mind is predation, too. You know, if they're stuck yep. in the middle with, you know very few exits, they're probably not gonna be utilizing it very often at all. Too yeah. closed off. So it's very usable, very deer friendly. Um and I'm sure that they probably saw, you know, bucks cruising through them scent checking those. Um and, and then in and around the fringes of it too to be able to scent check that whole block. And this yep. deer was coming in just just perfect. Just stinking and perfect.
3: From a, a hunting standpoint too, the 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 bedding thickets help the access as well because like we were talking about earlier when i first bought the place the deer would bed in just a fallen treetop well they can see out of that thing for 100 150 yards yeah and we do use the creek it's got a deep creek with you know eight nine foot cut banks to access it but you can you can move a lot more when that deer is tucked into a bedding thicket and can't see out
4: Mm -hmm. you know
3: just like um just like we can't see in they can't see out and it does i feel like it helps the access uh, from a straight up hunting standpoint as well definitely definitely so
1: that's awesome i know i want i want to go over one little thing you and i talked about when i came up matt was traveling consulting and i had had another trip planned and so i came up you stopped on your way just me uh back in march or february when i was there this past year and uh one thing that, that you and I laughed about at the end is we tromped around, and your buddy, your buddy was there running a saw as well, and we, we tromped around, looked at some of the bedding thickets, expanded them, um, cut a few more trees out of the middle of them so there was some fresh growth um, available point, during that light. time of the year, more light. Yep. Um, and we did all that, spent the whole day working on that. And then mm-hmm. right at the end of the day, we walked up and we got to the truck or almost to the truck, and you said, "Hold, oh, hold on, one second. What do you think about the food plot?" We kind of, and we talked for maybe ten minutes on the food plots, and you said, "You, yeah. you, you laughed and said, I told Shay. I said, uh, you know, this is a little bit different than what you're going to expect. We're probably not going to talk about the food plots much, uh, or the oh, yeah. food plot much.' And it's kind of one of those like, it's just another great reminder of the fact that you know it's 40 acres, but just about an acre of of one food plot." And, and I think that's where a lot of times we get caught up on, should I plant this? Should I plant this? Should I plant this? And, and really food plots come down to, in my opinion, more important than what you plant is how they're planted as far as the shape and then where yep. they are planted. And yep. in this case, yep. you had one place you could plant food plot and really if it's we went with uh, a, a clover-chicory mix for a, a, po- mm-hmm. a portion of it to provide some more year-round, except for when there's snow. But it really doesn't matter what the mix is in there. The food plot yeah. is just a natural opening. Um, providing some forage is important, but your success is driven off of bedding thickets and manage that native vegetation.
3: Yep. And the beauty of it is the, the food plot is it's actually situated mostly between the bedding thickets and mm-hmm. the beauty of that is that they, you know, they have to walk max a hundred yards into that food plot and then they filter out into the, 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 larger crop fields. So I've hunted it six or seven times and I've never bumped a deer out at dark because it's empty at dark. They, they, Perfect. they're in there from two to four thirty, and it, as the sun goes down, they literally start moving out of it to go into the larger fields. So it's hunted really well, but it's it's kind of a no-brainer you know we've just i've fertilized it overseeded it, you know planted an annual in there on one half of it and that's about all we do to them
2: yeah that's it.
3: and the same thing on that other 40 that, that we bought too we're going to do the same thing um there's a lot of fescue on it so we're going to spray it like you guys recommended and, and handle that a little bit differently because it's a different property type yeah but for the most part it's the same deal
2: well I, i'm not i'm just going to foreshadow but I know we'll probably have another podcast with you on. Once you spray that out and see the the response in that area, you're yeah. probably going to be like, guys, we need to talk about this on the podcast because it's, pro- it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know there's yeah.
1: already Rough Blazing Star. Ooh. I'm not sure we talked about this on the yeah. podcast, but Ryan and I had a conversation when he talked about wanting to buy this place where he was under contract to buy it. He sent me the listing. Yeah. And I pulled one picture out, and I said, "And I said, you see this? That's what I like. This is what I like. It was, it was rough blazing star, and I, mm-hmm. and I think it was at a time of the year it wasn't even blooming. It was just a seed head. It's, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I said, this is probably prairie, mm-hmm. and not yes. like your other farm, which is kind Bottom of riparian land. waterway. This is prairie. So we're going to manage yeah. this different, and the base of it, how to manage." The majority in, a, in an 80 grit management style will be old field
2: management, which which is going to yield fantastic. Stuff. Oh, yeah. and yeah. and will be a an impressive like for you to own 80 acres. They probably couldn't be very much more different, right? In the in the way and the approach you're going to management manage them, but it'll be a perfect compare and contrast. And and I anticipate you'll have a lot of great success on that other one as well. Yep. Boy, it's gonna be awesome,
3: and it's got your it's got cedars, which you guys love, you know. <laughs>
2: we
1: already cut a pile of them. You under. on your
3: toes. We just go from bush honeysuckle to cedars,
1: autumn uh, olive. You got some of that thrown in the
3: mix. <laughs> yep, yep. Chainsaw yeah. man. So, but no, it's um working with you guys too has uh, uh it, it's really helped me gain an appreciation for the land as well, Good. and and the uh, and you know I sit in the stand I already have. When things are slow in the stand, I literally sit up and open my notes on my phone and start hammering out things I want to do in March. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> we got to cut honeysuckle here. We need better access here. All that kind of stuff. I love it. And the morning after I text, I uh, shot that two hundred inch deer. I texted you guys and I was like, "Is it too late to spray bush honeysuckle?" Because I noticed a couple pieces on my forty in Carthage, and it it hasn't been invaded like on the eastern part of the county, mm-hmm. um, where my parents is, and. uh, I look at that, and it's like I, I know what what bush honeysuckle looks like when it's taken over, and I want to find every find and kill every single one of those things before it does take it over. It, you know, so I was I was very pleasantly
2: surprised. You sent the pictures over, and then that was like the next thing. I was like, this guy just smoked <laughs> a 200 incher, and he's caring about bush honeysuckle the next morning. I said, this is yeah. perfect. This is right yeah. where the mindset should be. What's yep. next? And what this, this
1: fall or any fall is, is one of those things where, so for a lot of guys, like Ryan, when was, how many days did you hunt before you went to Illinois?
3: Uh, In North Carolina?
1: In total. So when season opens up, let's just say September 5th in Kentucky, but you're in North yeah. Carolina. Well, I don't know when season opens up in North Carolina. But tell the audience how many days you hunted before you got to Illinois. Zero. (laughs) Okay. So you got to (laughs) Illinois, and how many days in Illinois until you killed that deer?
3: I hunted uh, a morning, evening, evening, and then killed him.
1: Okay. Hmm. So three hunts.
3: He shot him on my fourth Fourth, set. Okay.
1: Fourth set. So basically, you're the guy who has banked your vacation time to hunt the best time of the year that you that you know of being the best traditionally, yeah. And you got him on the fourth hunt. Yep. Yeah. That's it was just
3: seventy degrees the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: it, but when you look at that calendar time, you know yeah. that the weather. Oh, yeah. You know, if the weather's warm in October, e But if the weather's warm in late October, yeah, you might still have a chance.
3: Yeah. Yeah yeah man. that's awesome but no it's uh i, I typically like to get a little warm-up dough in or something like that here in north carolina before i go home
4: mm-hmm. but
3: it just it, we have had that we've just had a a 2020 about like everybody else man yeah and yeah. Just life has kind of hammered us um and it also it, it also um i was telling somebody the other day it also kind of puts things in perspective you know i mean
2: sure yeah. Uh,
3: this is a great deer, but I am still uh, a student and not the teacher. Y- you know what I'm saying? Like this is a, this is a high point, but I know, I, I, you know, you got to stay real and know that you're not going to kill a 200 inch deer every year. You just got to yeah. accept it for what it is. Sure. Um, You know, but it, 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 it all, it's, it's a highlight in the, the grand scheme of things, but it it's not the only highlight you know i mean i love going and working in march about as much as anything yeah so i'm gonna have to buy a steal otherwise you guys are gonna keep making fun of me but <laughs> yes we it's oh. still just as much fun
2: <laughs> yeah oh That's man true. well you know, we, we appreciate so. coming on and sharing that story um in every part of it the 200 yeah. the buddy um the the betting tickets the all of it that it's been awesome
3: Yep. Well, the the best is still yet to come, and I really, I really appreciate you guys' help. You know, it's uh, it's been it's been tremendous to have um, some experts on there that know what blazing morning star or whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing for you that I I would uh, you know selfishly say that
1: we have helped you on is saying okay, time is limited. Where's the biggest impact on the few days we have to work together, yep. and yep. Uh, you know, yep. on the on the on the 40 that your buddy killed on, it was like, first thing we need to do is fire a chainsaw, and next year when we come back, we're going to fire up a chainsaw. And yep. your dad can handle the food plots for the, yep. for the majority of the time, and uh, that's going to be the best thing. And I, I think uh, with what you guys are seeing, I, I think time was spent well. Yep.
2: Without a doubt.
3: Absolutely. How, awesome.
2: How can people – find you follow you and kind of see the story of this of this buck and kind of what you're doing on the farms as well
3: yeah well I I haven't really uh told a lot of the story behind the deer because uh my parents place is like going back to 1986 and I don't even have like cell coverage or internet connection (laughs) up there so uh, I could barely get a text out but um, Ryan Kirby Art on Instagram, um, at Ryan Kirby Art, is uh, the best way to go. I'm more active on Instagram than anything. And then my website, ryankirbyart.com. So I'm picking out a lot more content. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I hadn't looked at it yet. <laughs>
1: I was just figured with Trump Tower, you were already over there.
3: No, no, I heard about that though. Well, I, I'm there. Come find me. Um, yeah. I'm still waiting on my invitation for the Lane and Legacy Pro staff. I want to be on that. You know, Come on with it. That one's in the mail.
1: Come on <laughs> with it. Um... You know, that's one thing we haven't talked about, too. You've, you've released some new art in uh, 2020 and 2019, yes. some awesome stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm sure most of our listeners have seen your art, your paintings mm-hmm. uh, in various places, but you've got some stuff that is really cool, and to be quite honest, it's, it's some of my favorite work that you've done. I agree. Um, you've got your aging, uh, aging the deer. 22. I was just at the cabin yesterday, yep. and I saw all of them that i yep. hung up. Aging the deer. Um, then you've got the turkey. Yep, um, the different yep. subspecies, and then you've got different migratory bird. I've got the uh, Mississippi Flyway. Yep. Mississippi Flyway, and then yep. you've got the Labrador
3: Retriever. Yep, awesome stuff. Yeah, and we've I've got uh, I'm doing some work with Tractor Supply now too, so we'll have art um, this spring there, and then we'll have some really cool stuff coming out next fall In fall of 2021. So
4: Dude, we got a nice. lot of good stuff,
3: and <clears throat> a lot of a lot of big things coming. So it's been it's been really good, man. That's that's
2: super awesome, man. Well, you've been a thrill for, to um, just enjoy, you know, building relationships with, and, and we've always enjoyed time with you. So happy to see success not only on the business, um, but also, you know, hunting success as well. That, that's fun to follow along with.
3: Yep. Well, I appreciate you guys.
2: Perfect. Sounds good, buddy.
3: All right. Thanks, fellas. Yep.